If someone were to ask you the question, why did Jesus come into the world? You might say this. He came to save sinners. Uh, You might say this, that he came in order to manifest God to us in a manner that uh, no one had ever seen him before. Like many questions we might ask that have to do with Scripture, there often are very many different answers to the same question. Those are all real and legitimate answers. But there are there is another one that has great application to what uh, we are talking about here uh, this very morning, uh, and that is in First John. We are told that Jesus came into this world to bring an end to the works of the evil one, of Satan. That should tell us something. That is, this is the battle continues. We talked a lot about, about battle and war, the spiritual battle and war last week. That is an ongoing thing. It has been going on now for a very long time. It continues today, and it will continue until such time as Jesus comes and finally brings an end to the battle, finally brings an end to the war. Chapter 12 and chapter 13 have everything to do with Satan, have everything to do with the evil one. As we began last week in chapter 12, we know that, the, that, it, that, that we're in another vision now. We're in vision number four of John. And it's not representative of some of the other visions like the seven seals uh, and the seven trumpets and the seven bowls of wrath that are coming. There's not seven of this and seven of that. But it describes many of the same things and emphasizes particular things that take place during the church age. The time between the the coming of Christ the first time in his ascension back into heaven after the crucifixion and the resurrection and the time when Jesus will come again. In, In chapter 12, we saw that there were two great signs. One of those was the sign of the woman. The other was the sign of the great dragon that appeared and we talked about this in detail last week that, uh, that obviously the woman, there's a sense in which she represents Mary, but it goes beyond that because she's the mother of Jesus. But because she's the mother of Jesus, she's also the mother of the church. And it has to do with the church being birthed or born out of this world. By the power of God. As we read last week, that uh, as the woman was about to give birth and she was having the birth pangs, that the red dragon came. He appeared and he positioned himself before her with the intention of devouring the child when he was born. 
that God took her to a place prepared for her to protect her and to protect Jesus for a time. We see here that the serpent of Eden has become the red, great red dragon of Revelation. As we talked last week, that there is a history of him that's revealed in Scripture in various places. And it amounts to this, is that he was an angel, a high angel in the, in the heavenly places at one time. That he walked amongst the angels, that he walked in the presence of God. But he desired to be God himself. And he rebelled. And not only him, and he tried to exalt himself. If you read Isaiah 14, this is a description. He tried to exalt himself to the place that only God occupies. But as we read last week, that Michael and others of the heavenly hosts, and we remember that when Satan fell, it was not only him, that he brought other angels along with him. And they battled with Michael and the heavenly hosts. And they were defeated and they were cast down to the earth. Now we know this. That Satan has no power over God. He has no power over Jesus. There's a sense in which you and I need to be very cautious of him, but ultimately he has no power over us either. Unless we allow him to, unless we let him, unless we listen to his lies, unless we let him take us to places that we don't need to go. I'm going to start reading with verse 12 this morning in chapter 12. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman in order that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpents. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened his mouth, its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, went off to make war with the rest of her offspring. Who keep, so who are our offspring? Those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. The church. 
The devil is full of rage. He hates. He abhors everything good, everything pure. He destroys. He never builds up. He takes away. He never gives to. One of the great mysteries of theology is God created all things. And if that's true, where did evil come from? And I don't think anyone in this world is willing to say that God is the author of evil. I certainly hope not. That there are some things that we can't get away from. And one of those is this. He has allowed it. And we've seen this through the whole history of the human race. That God has allowed evil to exist. He could snuff it out. I want you to remember this this morning. One of my seminary professors used to remind us of this all the time. And that is this. Is that Satan has no power over Jesus. In fact, Jesus could squash him like a grape at any minute. He is no threat to him. He's never been a threat to him. He wasn't a threat with, uh, to him when he came to him in the wilderness. He was not a threat to him when he rejoiced in his death. There's some things that we don't understand, and one of those things is this, is this whole thing about evil. It's a mystery. The only thing we can see is that God allows it. But judgment will come upon it one of these days. Right? When Jesus returns, what's he going to do? He's going to bring an end to the works of the evil one. And a good number of other things. I think one of the disjustices that the church has done sometimes today for the church is to convince people that there will come a time when persecution will no longer be part of the picture for the church. During a time of what's called the Great Tribulation. This is one of the reasons why when persecution does come today, the church is so surprised by it. They don't understand that it's been part of a picture from the very beginning. It has been a part of the picture, and it will be part of the picture until the day Jesus comes back for believers. Jesus said that the world hated me. It will also hate you. John tells us in another place that the devil is like a roaring lion who prowls around looking for someone to devour. As he wanted to devour Jesus, but he could not do that. He wants to do that to you and to me. That is him. He hates us. 
He abhors us because of our association with Jesus. He will do anything and everything he can to make us miserable. He will do anything and everything in his power to, to, to pull us away from our Lord. There's probably nothing that he rejoices in more than when he sees a church member fall from grace. To see someone who has professed at some time a profession of faith in Jesus Christ to, to give up on it and turn away from it. He feels victory in those cases. The woman is granted two eagle's wings that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, to that place that's already been referred to, that place of protection. Now, eagles are important to us, right? And we don't realize that eagles have been a symbol of certain things for a very long time. They've been symbols of power. They've been, uh, been symbols of victory, royalty, things like that, all through the history of the world. When you and I think about eagles, we probably think about bald eagles. You know, the, and, and we, think they're, we think of them as these awesome birds that are the symbol of our nation, our great nation, our mighty nation. They're, they're a symbol of our greatness and our power and our might. But you may not realize this. In the eagle world, bald eagles are wimpy. They are runts. First time I ever saw a golden eagle, which are also indigenous to North America, you may not realize this. They make bald eagles look like hummingbirds. Not quite that much. Those suckers have a, up to a seven and a half foot wingspan. Old world eagles tend to be on the big side like this. So you need to understand that the people who were reading these words written by John the first time, these are the eagles they're picturing in their minds. When they think of eagle wings, they're thinking about these massive wings of the, of, of the king of all birds. We know that eagles were important in the Roman world. That they were the symbol of every Roman legion. That there was an eagle. They were silver eagles, not golden eagles. They were silver eagles that they carried as a banner of that legion into battle. You may not realize it, but there were many symbols that the Christian church adopted early on, like Ichthus, the fish. Was a Christian symbol. You may not realize it, but eagles were too. That they were representations of victory, representations of power, of God's power. God described what he did when he brought Israel out of Egypt in the Exodus. 
as carrying them on eagles' wings. So it should not surprise us that he gives this woman eagles' wings so that she can fly to this place. In the wilderness. And in that wilderness, she would be nurtured, nourished for time, times, and half a time. And to some degree, be protected from you know who. And this is something we always have to think about when we think about persecution because persecution surprises all of us. Let's just be honest about it. That when it comes, we're usually shocked by it. It's hard for us to wrap our heads around the idea that there will be people today that will give their life for one reason, and the reason is they won't give Jesus up. We are so blessed this morning to have this Bible before us. Truly, it is a privilege that for most of the history of the world, people did not have. You and I have it readily available to us anytime we want it. Last Monday was Reformation, or last Sunday was Reformation Sunday. We talked a little bit about that. I don't think we have a clue to where the church was in those days. For the most part, it was no longer the place that people went to to find out about Christ and to learn about God. One of the scariest things of all of it was the fact that the word of God had been lost in a sense. It had been purposely, willfully kept from the people for a long time. And the word of God really had very little bearing on much of anything that the church did any longer. It was all based upon councils, what the church said, what councils had said, what the popes say, and what the popes had said. And one of the things that you see universally as the Reformation began in Germany and spread to Switzerland and to France and to England and to Scandinavia and to other places is the challenge over and over again that was put forth by the Reformed pastors was this, is look at the practice of the church and measure it in the balance of Scripture and you will find it not solely sorely wanting, it doesn't even exist in Scripture. I don't, if you don't get anything else out of the Reformation, 
It is that turning point in history when the Bible was, was made available openly and, and privately and personally to people, everybody. That was the heart and soul of all of these men and women who gave their lives because they refused to give up the scriptures. Now you need to understand the Roman Catholic Church today is very different than it was in those days. That the Reformation not only brought forth Protestantism, it forced the Roman Catholic Church itself to reform. To some degree. William Tyndale wrote this. He was an English reformer. He was one of the first to translate the Bible or the New Testament into, to, uh, well, actually took the, the New Testament that uh, John Wycliffe had translated and he had it printed up and sent out to people. He wrote this. He said, far from giving us the scriptures... It is you who hath hidden them from us. It is you who burn those who teach them. And if you could, you would burn the scriptures themselves. Persecution. You know, if you, if you, you should read something about the Reformation. And I'm talking about just a little bit more than just a story about Martin Luther. There were countless believers who were burned at this. Burning at the stake was the thing of the day or being beheaded. In England, they very often beheaded people. But can you imagine being burned at the stake? For one reason. You refuse to give up Jesus. You refuse to give up God's word. Period. Our brothers and sisters paid an unbelievable price that we would have the freedoms we have today. Among those having the freedom of having the Bible in our very possession, in our own hands, in our own tongue, in our own language. Not only that, we have multiple versions. We basically say the same things, but maybe in a little bit different way that maybe might make a little bit more understanding to some of us. We all have our preferences as far as versions go, but they all fundamentally say the same thing. But notice here that even in the persecution, there was God's protection. It's amazing when you read the testimonies of these martyrs of the Reformation. In every country that we've mentioned, there were people who died 
Some places, lots of people died. But they wouldn't give up. And you read the testimonies, and you you can't help but weep when you read these things. How they went to the cross, when they went to the fire with joy in their heart, with a smile on their face. Thankful that they were able to give their life for Jesus. You know how true it is that they say that Martin Luther was really disappointed that he was not allowed to be a martyr. That he was disappointed that he didn't die directly in the Reformation. He died of old age, he didn't die in prison. He wasn't executed. And he was disappointed. That's hard for me to even wrap my head around. Can you imagine being at that point? Being so full of the Spirit. Being so full of God's grace. And people not going to the stake, yelling and screaming and fighting and and this, that, and the othering, but going in absolute peace, peace that was apparent on their face and peace that stood as a witness to the ones who murdered them in a way that nothing else possibly could. How many people were won to the faith because of the testimony of the martyrs? There could be no other explanation for this reality that they experienced. And that is that really is a Jesus. And he really is the son of God. And he really came into the world. And he really died on the cross. And he was really resurrected from the cross. And he is really right now. In that heavenly throne room that we've talked about in chapter 5 of Revelation. He persecuted the woman who gave birth to the child, he persecuted the church, who, in essence, is that child. But just remember this, that when persecution comes, it's not because God's deserted. Some people may think that. My life's supposed to be hunky-dory, and when there's a little bump in the road, God's given up on it. He's, he's left me. He's abandoned me. Life's not worth living anymore. That, my friends, is not the God of the Bible. not the Savior, Jesus Christ. When he lays hold of us, he will never let go of us.
the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman. Now, we know this, that water is a very destructive force in nature sometimes, right? Moving water. After all, there was a flood. Destroyed everything. And we can remember, you know, God raining down basically the Red Sea on top of the Egyptian army and destroying it. But I don't really think that's what's going on here. Because we know what the primary weapon of the evil one is. It's not water. It's words. False words. False accusations. He accused Jesus falsely. He will accuse you falsely if he gets the opportunity to do that. He's the father of lies. He's called the deceiver. See, sometimes we want to take things in this book of Revelation literally, and sometimes I don't think we should do that. I think there are times when we need to understand. We need to look at pictures of things in the scriptures and how they line up with particular symbols and signs that are in Revelation. And this really brought home to me all of this when I considered, or again, the the Reformation this week, that it was a war of words. The word of man against the word of God. You ever feel like you're going to be swept away? By the ways of the world. Does the evil one ever whisper in your ear? God doesn't really love you. After all, you're unlovable. You ever hear him whisper the lie in your ear that God hasn't really forgiven you? He doesn't care about you? See, the evil one is no threat to Jesus. He's really ultimately no threat to us. And he encourages us. He he tempts us constantly to sin. But in that, in our wilderness, you could almost describe this wilderness as the wilderness, right? What was that? I mean, couldn't you describe the world in the 1500s as a wilderness, the place where the word of God was almost non-existent? And it was the rule of man and the law of man.
God has many things to us. Jesus has many things to us. But one of those is this, is he is our very great protector. And sometimes you may not feel like he's protecting you. Sometimes you may feel like you're right out in the middle of, you know, one of these shooting matches that Ken Habenant goes to, and you're the target. Why do things not go my way? Why is everything all messed up? Why is this? Why is that? So on and so on and so on. And it's easy to go from those questions to believing the lies that God doesn't love me, that God doesn't want me, that God doesn't care about what's going on in my life. He doesn't promise us an easy life. That is not in Scripture. As a matter of fact, He promises us an uneasy life. Be careful listening to the war of words. Be careful giving credence to those lies that you hear whispered in your ear all the time. Because they are smoke. They come from the pit of hell. The earth helped the woman. Opened up his mouth and drank up the river which the, the dragon poured out of his mouth. Who controls the earth? The evil one? God. Understand this in essence, it's saying God drank the water up. God drank the words up if we understand it that way. Protection, even in the midst of great trial. The dragon was enraged with a woman, went off to make war with the rest of her offspring. Who are those offspring? Well, I can see some of them as I'm looking right now. We are. Just remember that, that the devil is a real being. You cannot stand against him by yourself. If you try to, he will devour you. He will chew you up and he will swallow you. But it's not you who protect you. God Almighty himself is your protector. He will never let you down in this sense. He will never bring anything upon you that he doesn't also bring the means to overcome it. 
as he did with all those martyrs. And as he has done with the martyrs through the history of the church. And as he will do with those martyred today and those who will be martyred tomorrow. There's a sense in which we are all called to give our life for Christ. Maybe not physically, but in every other way. There was a book that was written before I became a right about the time I became a believer, and I don't agree with a lot of the things the author teaches. But it spoke to me in some ways. And one of the things he said in this is, is the gospel is a free gift. But in the end, it will cost you absolutely everything. What do you think about that? Could cost you friends, could cost you family, could cost you wealth, could cost you this, could cost you that. Is it worth it? You betcha. God has not given up on you. Don't give up on yourself. And more importantly, don't give up on him. He is your protector. And he's the only one you need.